Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am joined by Eliza and Jess of the Witchery Podcast to discuss and react to the newest installment of the Conjuring Universe. But before we get into our conversation, I want to say hello and welcome, Eliza and Jess. Hello, you two. Thank you so much for coming on. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Thank hello. you for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to to chat to you. <laughs> I'm very excited to have you two on, especially to talk about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. But before we get into that conversation, will you please introduce yourselves and your show, The Witchery Podcast? Sure. And whoever wants to go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Eliza. Um, obviously work with Jess on The Witchery Podcast. Um, I'm a writer based in London, so I'm a screenwriter and I do some acting as well. And yeah, just a big fan of horror in general. Love a bit of horror. I'm Jess. I'm also a writer. Um, mainly a boring, boring writer. Uh, mainly technical no, writing at this she's stage a- and copywriting. <laughs> she's a great writer. <laughs> and a journalist. Hello. Um, and I'm based in Johannesburg, which is bloody cold at the moment, by the way. So for people like me that are ignorant, where is Johannesburg? <laughs> Good old sunny South Africa. Awesome. It is cold down there right now. It, it is. Oh, it's really hot where I'm at right now in Alabama. It's really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really warm in London as well, actually. It's getting increasingly hotter, which I'm not enjoying. Not good fan of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, so we go into the horror behind the horror of... of um, popular horror movies uh, whether it's based on a true crime or the story that inspired it um so we we actually covered the first conjuring movie and we went into the the haunting of the Peron family um mm. and the the story about that so yeah mainly just the inspiration behind our favorite movies mm. and spooky things that might happen on set too you never know weird yes. things from set yes yes <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is a very cool spin in this uh, niche of horror podcast. And I listened to your episode on The Conjuring, which was very good. I recommend everybody go check that out. Thank you. And that was kind of was sort of like, oh, those two would probably be fun to talk about. The, the new Conjuring movie that's coming out uh, on June 4th. <laughs> um, we have, so that's what, that's what we're here today to, to discuss The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is the newest movie in The Conjuring trilogy, in The Conjuring fa- franchise. Um uh, we're going to have a couple moments up top to talk about this movie with without any spoilers. So for the first few minutes here, there's no spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie, you kind of want to get the opinion on three people that are into horror, what this movie is like, whether or not you should look into it. That's what this top part of the podcast is going to be like. Um, so, so yeah, so I kind of want to take a few moments to get into our kind of spoiler-free initial reactions, what our viewing experiences were like i will say this this movie came out in the states on june 4th both on hbo max and in the theaters i did not have the pleasure of seeing this in theaters because uh by timing is kind of whacking right now but so i watched this at 8 a.m friday morning when it came out uh just 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 had to to squeeze (laughs) this in and um i will say that if i will say my, my initial reaction is that it's very different from the other two movies. Mm-hmm. Whether that's good for bad, we will discuss, but it is very different. So if you're looking for variety, which I was, this kind of delivers on that. But um, uh, I'm kind of surprised to see that this movie made nearly just under $10 million its opening day, which 
which outbeats A Quiet Place 2, which is also surprising because A Quiet Place 2 did not also air on a streaming service. Um, so people really like this franchise, obviously. But uh, so, uh, Liza and Jess, what are kind of some of your spoiler-free reactions to viewing this movie? <laughs> um, well, I saw it in the cinema, actually. I was quite lucky I saw it in the cinema in London, and it's probably my first trip um, our post-pandemic, actually, into an enclosed space with some friends. So that was a bit bit weird. So it was kind of a, a mixed reaction of, oh, God, I'm in a theatre. Am I going to catch COVID? And also, wow, I'm watching The Conjuring 3. So it was sort of, you know, <laughs> double-edged sword, as it were. Um, I there are two sides to it so you're it's always really exciting to see and all I will say on this is more depth to the Warrens I think each film that you watch about Ed and and Lorraine Mm. Warren from The Conjuring 1 through to Conjuring 3 you're seeing more of them they're definitely more of the driving force and you feel that you're understanding their their fictional let's just say relationship a hell of a lot more um, which I Mm. really liked I always liked that they're my favorite part of The Conjuring universe is Mm. is Ed and Lorraine Warren particularly so I loved that I loved the fact that you saw something else about their relationship developing and and it was very gritty and very dark in in places it it just you you could immediately feel that there's a different director involved there was an immediate change of pace in that respect and I think it's a lot darker than in tone so not not quite as many odd quips here and there you'd you'd get the odd quip that would be and you know these very kitsch moments like in the conjuring two of um of ed warren singing an elvis song you know of course which they allude to yeah there's no elvis in this no they they allude (laughs) to it they have the song playing in the car but they don't yeah it's not quite as as homely and and carefree of course i mean none of the conjuring movies are complete completely homely but there is it's definitely a darker path i enjoyed it not as much as the first first one um a hell of a lot darker um and i did i I enjoyed the the extra added little bit of a storyline and theme that they brought in Mm -hmm. um Mm. trying to make this as spoiler free as possible i have both know what you're talking about know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) yeah 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 it was yeah, it, I, I agree with you there because this is definitely, I think this is what you're kind of like alluding to. This is the most plot heavy one of yeah. the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's this definitely kind of felt like it kind of felt like a J.J. Abrams like mystery box uh, uh, fetch quest at times, uh, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah, it yeah. kind of, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into it. And uh, I liked how Eliza brought up how you definitely you definitely feel the lack of James Wan behind the camera in this. And I'm c- going to point to, there was more slow-mo in this movie than I anticipated. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Do you know what it reminded me of in some ways? And again, trying to allude to what Jess was alluding to without saying too much is a lot of the late seventies, very early eighties horrors that came out of America that were more serious in tone. There was more of um <sighs> I can't say it without the spoiler alert. I think Jess will know what I'm alluding to. But there was more of a panic about certain things that were going yes. on in society. Oh, yeah. And there were a few mm. films out around that time that were sort of darker in tone, relating to that sort of side of, of, of life, yeah. effectively. And that's definitely what's coming through in The Conjuring. Well, I did feel a lot of the times like I was watching something that actually was made in about 1980, as opposed to mm. the other Conjurings. You can tell that they're modern, more, you know, jump scare horrors in some way mm. this did feel like it mm-hmm. had a very slight uh, more of a vintage film vibe to it if that makes any sense whatsoever but i felt a bit more transported it back does. in time actually than the other two to be perfectly honest as much as i, I love the other two more 
um, I did feel this felt a bit more authentic. I can't explain quite why, but it did. Hmm. I think I know why. I think it's because there's so much um, exterior. We get so much of like the exterior w- world in this movie. We're not confined to one location the whole time. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And you're in. You're brought into the again without giving too much away. You're brought into the the central plot straight away. You're literally sucked in. It's sort of the the opening is where this is going. Whereas with the other yeah. conjurings, there's there's a lot of build and of tension. But the tension comes in a very different way in the Conjuring Three. It comes through a lot of the relationships in the aftermath of this opening scene, um, which right, really yeah. is is part of the biggest action really that you see until a lot further in the film again. So true, I think that's true. That, that was it for me anyway. Sort of it was a oh wow okay <laughs> I'm right in the middle of this. <laughs> Literally walk into the cinema, sit down. There are no trailers at the moment in cinema, so you sit down. The film's on, and wow, you're in it. So it is. Wow! Um, just cut to wow. the chase. Get in, get out. Yeah, wow! Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the difference I found from the other two. To be honest, you two both mentioned how this had like a darker tone. Did you two feel like that this one was scary or as scary as the other two movies? Because I, I wasn't really getting. I wasn't really too. Scary. Like, it is scary at points, but I wasn't like as shook as I was when I watched the first two movies. This one, I don't know. What, what do you two think about that? There are moments that are, are definitely unsettling, especially in that that opening, uh, the opening bits. Um, but it's not scary. It's just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, more than anything else. Um, but I, I think, I definitely think the first the first one is still the scariest. Um, but I, I find that with all French horror franchises, the first one's usually always the scariest. It is mm-hmm. it's usually, usually the best as well. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with Jess. I didn't. I walked out of the cinema with my friends, and we all said the same thing. That was really enjoyable, but I did mm. not get the jump scares that I was kind of expecting. Because normally with the Conjuring universe, you do get more of the oh wow, I'm completely jumping out of my seat here and there. But I didn't in this one. I enjoyed it, yeah. and I definitely unsettling. Unsettling. The word Jess uses perfect. Unsettling, but. Yes, absolutely. And I couldn't tell if I wasn't scared because I was watching this in the morning and I was also in, pre- in preparation for this movie. I rewatched the first two movies last week to kind of like get myself built up. So uh, that first one terrifies me so much every time I watch it. <laughs> and uh, the second one is still scary. But um, I don't know. I wonder if like, am I like a little numb now <laughs> to it? Am I just now kind of expecting what it is or but uh, and I think again, I think it's because there's so much plot, like there's so much dialogue and like mystery solving stuff going on in between some of the scares in this. And um, so it's kind of like, you know, they'll try to figure something out 15 minutes. Then there's like a showdown with someone and then 15 more minutes and another spook showdown and whatever but uh yeah that's kind of like mm-hmm. that was kind of like the formula of this um i will say like you two i do i did enjoy it i mean i enjoyed the at least the creative spin they tried to do with this patrick wilson and vera formiga were great as always i really do like hanging out with them in a movie yeah. um so i would say yeah. you know without going into spoilers what i specifically liked and didn't like i would at least recommend people checking this movie out Oh, yeah, I would agree. And I think just what you said with the formulae, there's a formulaic element to it, which does desensitize Mm. you. And I think that that does happen with any film series. I mean, look at something like A Nightmare on Elm Street by, by, (laughs) you know, film three. You're like, oh, God, I know exactly what Freddie's doing. So there is that aspect. But obviously it's a much better made film, a much better, you know, 
well written etc and much better acting but it is the same thing if you know what you're dealing with I think when you do know what you're dealing with it does desensitize you to the to the scares of it uh, we watched it at eight o'clock at night um in a very dark theater and yet we still were like oh okay but not in a bad way because we still really enjoyed it I don't think you need to be scared to enjoy some a horror film you don't need mm-hmm. to be scared you can still get sucked mm-hmm. in and enjoy the atmosphere enjoy the acting enjoy how good a script is um, you don't need to jump out of your seat, but sometimes it's quite Very nice. Very true. Every now and again, it's quite nice mm-hmm. to have the odd odd jump. I mean, I watched Rosemary's Baby how many times? I don't jump out of my seat watching it, but it's still one of the best horror films of all time. <laughs> so, you know, you don't necessarily need to be screaming your head off. There can be something unsettling. Unsettling is a good one. Mm-hmm. Here was the question I had before we get into spoiler talk. <laughs> okay. For, for people that are listening that aren't too familiar with this franchise, are you two have the same opinion as me is that you could probably just pick up this movie without seeing the first two and still get it for the most part. I mean, there's like some Easter eggs and things like that, that you'll definitely miss out on. But I feel like if you wanted to try to dip your toe into this franchise, but you've been too scared to, this one might be a good one to start out with maybe, or like you don't necessarily need the first, the knowledge of the first two movies to get this one. Definitely. I think, I think it's a great standalone. Um, and I think because it's not as scary, even though it's unsettling as as the first two, it's mm-hmm. definitely a nice intro into the Conjuring universe. Oh yeah, I 100% agree. I think you 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 see straight away the relationship between Ed and Lorraine. You know what they're doing. You know exactly from the opening scene what it's about. Yeah, you again, like you said, you might miss out on the odd little you know quirky sort of comment and you know, throwback mm-hmm. to the other films, but that's not that essential. You'll you'll get dragged in straight away. Yeah. yeah, like maybe at the end when Ed goes to put the that's how, that's how every this is a spoiler. Every contrary movie ends this way <laughs> when he goes into the little room to put the little trinket in there and be like, "What's this room?" But uh, yeah, the, you'll <laughs> you'll know eventually it's the occult museum. <laughs> yeah, we work yeah, it exactly. out. Yeah, uh, we are going to now transition into some spoiler talk. So if you want to stick around for that, please please feel free. But if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie then come back and finish this episode but eliza and jess let's let, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this movie so i want to kind of start off this conversation with the basically the big elephant in the room of this movie so about what makes it so different from the other two so this movie is not a haunted house movie this delves into the world of the occults and there's actually been a curse place on the Glatzel family and the Warrens. The person cursing them is the illegitimate daughter of a priest, uh, formerly Father Kastner. So this kind of turns more into kind of like a crime mystery, sort of, with demonic and spooky elements in it. So uh, how did we feel about this transition in the franchise? The, this This different type of thing where it's not a haunted house, it's more of a who is the occultist that's cursing these two families solving mystery? How, how did we feel about this? I always um, love a bit of satanic panic. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I always love a bit of satanic panic. I'll talk after you. Go first. <laughs> no, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I, I love the satanic panic. Um, and I love that element. But I also, like, I love and hate it. Because mm. I love it because it's different. But I hate it because it's different. in a weird way i'm not not about the possession side of it but the whole satanic panic is very relatable to the time as well so it's quite it's based in sounds very odd to say but based in more reality than say and a similar amityville you know haunted house or a enfield haunting 
it's those things that always seem a bit more fantastical but satanic panic was a real thing of people actually believing in the occult it being very prevalent in american culture i mean worldwide as well so i think it's a little Mm. bit more real even though of course it's not because it's the conjuring universe but it's yeah there's a little bit more reality (laughs) in it Mm -hmm. i i personally really liked it um i mean i don't know if it like helps boost it in like my rankings of these movies but I wrote like a little piece on my uh, buy me a coffee page saying I, I don't know what to expect from this movie because I went in completely blind. I don't know if I said that, but I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I just I think like that's kind of like the best way to approach these movies. Mm. So that way you aren't trying to piece together. OK, well, I haven't seen this part from the trailer yet. So how do we get there kind of thing? I just watch it. Um, I will say the one thing that I said that I was hoping to get out of this is something different. And the movie did deliver on that. So. I was kind of happy it wasn't just another haunted house movie because not going to lie, I might have been bored with that just because I watched the other two movies so recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did I did enjoy the mystery, getting to the occult. Its execution wasn't the best, <laughs> but um, it still was, it was still, I mean, I still enjoyed it. I mean, again, I think that plays into what how we talked about earlier that James Wan just wasn't, behind the camera of this because again there was some weird slow-mo in this and um that also kind of goes into how how we talked about we just didn't feel we felt more unsettled uh, like that instead of scared in this is because you're trying to solve a mystery but i mean i liked it i mean you gotta do something different Mm. for the third movie right oh totally definitely um and i think i think that's exactly it i think it's the um the execution that um, I didn't really like, whereas the actual the satanic panic and the murder mystery, well, the, not the murder mystery, but the, the mystery behind it all is very, very intriguing. It's just mm-hmm. how it pays out. It's just really weird. Um, and the inconsistency between the two possessions as well, um, kind of, because unfortunately I am that type of person where I'm like, this doesn't match up. Why is this person <laughs> levitating and that person isn't? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did think that as well. I did. It is odd. And it's sort of also like, I don't know, this sounds a really odd thing to say about a horror film. And I, it, I'm probably sound weird, but it felt like it was missing its heart. And because each time you get Ed and Lorraine Warren and they're getting, you know, you, see, you learn more about them and that's brilliant. And But it felt like they'd been picked up out of The Conjuring 2 and placed in an entirely different location and just told just to get on with it. So they were still mm. there and they were holding things together because the actors, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Boston are just insanely brilliant. And the characterizations of Ed and Lorraine, which obviously aren't real to life, but are you know very much a creation, work beautifully. And we all are invested in them. We, we love them. And though the story was great and the other actors were brilliant, it, it just felt like a different universe. It felt like it had been picked up and put in a different universe. I'm not quite sure what that universe is, or even if it's a bad thing, but it just felt like there was a certain heart to it. Maybe the relationships behind the scenes that had been built up with the director and and the crew that were then Mm. different on the third one, and maybe the actors felt disjointed. I don't know. There was like a a vibe that didn't feel the same, and that sounds really weird, but it just didn't No, 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 no. I I totally get that, and I liked what... Because you were totally right, because this lacked some sort of, like, emotion or heart behind it, because, like, you know, I'm going to, you know, keep comparing this to the first two movies that because since they are haunted house movies that 
kind of really alludes to, you know, there's a family being affected. And so you're kind of seeing this family break down throughout the movie in, you know, there is emotion behind that because that is, mm. you know, e- it's easy for you to put yourself in those shoes of, you know, what if this was going on with my family, how would I want to protect my family and fix this? But with this one, you it kind of does like a bait and switch like three different times where it makes you think, yeah. oh, this is, this is going to be about the little boy, David, but it's not and then it switches to arnie and you're like oh no arnie like you know you're about to get married you're about to start you know your young your young adult life with this uh, girl that you love and then you are forced then you're tricked by the devil to kill someone like oh no and then it's like okay we're done with that and the warrens are like okay now we gotta then it changes to we gotta solve who is the occultist in this and like the emotion isn't focused anymore on fixing this poor couple's lives anymore it's just like we need to prove that there is an occultist and so yeah i think that kind of plays into the the void of real emotion and heart in this this was missing a family unity as well so in the first one Mm. you've got the peron family in the second you've got you know i've actually forgotten i'm afraid of the name of the characters but you've got a single mother and her children in a house in enfield and then in the third one it's like as you just exactly what you just said you've got a family at the beginning that you think you're going to get invested in then you very rarely see them again but you've actually got this young boy and then you've got back to the warrens which i always love give me more warrens i'm i'm thrilled to have more of them but there was a family element to the conjuring that always feeds back into their own family dynamic their own fictional family mm-hmm. dynamic it must be said with their daughter at home and their marriage and you can see sort of things that mirror through different households in, into their world you didn't yeah. get that so much in this third one. And I don't know, maybe that's the difference I noticed. Maybe that's what makes it darker and maybe that's what makes it, you know, better because it isn't like the other two. And they are do- oh. having a departure. Maybe, you know, they're supposed to change things up a bit. It's a good point. But I think that's I think that's also kind of what makes it great, though, is the fact that you can mm. kind of relate so much to to the people on screen. Mm. The first two, like with the, the haunted houses, it's like, okay, cool. Like, I've just moved house. What if my house was haunted? What do I do? <laughs> Whereas like possession just feels so much more um, removed almost. Yeah, I mm. suppose there was an element of possession in The Conjuring 2 in as much as the little girl, you know, was she being possessed by the, the ghost of the old man, you know, in the chair when she they think mm. she's throwing her voice mm-hmm. and she starts talking. So there was a slight build to that, but I know exactly what you mean. It's the occult thing with it, I think, is so far removed and... I, I mean, I suppose they have to change things up. That's probably the way they do get the box office to get 10 million in, in one day is because it's, it's being billed as it's a new story. It is something yeah. totally new. And you can't just keep mm-hmm. going down the same avenue because people will get bored. Look at Freddy Krueger. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I love Freddy, you know, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But when you look at those franchises, they get very tired. I mean, Jess and I were talking about franchises this morning um, and yeah. they do get tired. So I suppose they want to keep people coming in. And the way of doing it is, you know, a satanic panic. It, it's it, relevant to the time. Because that yeah, was it. Definitely. It works with that time period. I just want to say that uh, kind of getting a little meta about this is that I am personally worried for the mental well-being of Julian Hillard, who played the, the little boy David in this, because he oh, was good Lord. <laughs> he played he played baby Luke in Haunting of Hill House and he was in oh, yeah. the um, 
that horror movie with Nicolas Cage that came out in like 2019, Color Out of Space, and his character did not make it out of the movie either. Spoiler warning. Um, and then he had a very intense and pretty like graphic possession scene in this movie. So like this little kid actor has just been in some like huge like horror movies and shows in like the haunting of Hill house. That's really like filming like three or four movies because of how long those episodes are. This is true. So um, I am personally worried about Jillian Hillard as, <laughs> as a child actor. <laughs> what are his parents and agent doing to him? Putting him up for constant money, horrors. Money, 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 money. money, money. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, gonna say, not making any accusations at all. <laughs> but I mean, he's a very allegedly, good young actor. Allegedly, but allegedly. they're doing it. Um, but yeah. Very good young actor, though. Very good young actor. He's, he's adorable. He has like the cutest, is, is the cute face and he's still pretty small and he wears those big ass glasses. So yeah, it's just like, it's it's like the equivalent of like putting a dog in danger in a movie, but uh, you, <laughs> you get this really cute kid. <laughs> it's like don't do it, don't go over there. Yeah, I think that's actually quite a, quite a, a good description. Putting a dog in danger, that's exactly it. Because you you yeah. feel for that poor little kid. Um, yeah, when when shame when he's lying on the um, on the waterbed and oh. uh, shit goes oh. down. It's just uh, yeah, that for me was was like almost terrifying it's like no no don't do it and he looks so petrified <laughs> as well like poor little thing he's like soaked with water but, and absolutely yeah. scared out of his wits but you do feel protective of children in these horror films when you look back at you know poltergeist and things like that even watching mm. them now mm. you can get these really brilliant little performances from kids and you feel ultra protective which i suppose is another way to draw the audience in put a cute little kid in who's being possessed and we're going to be invested straight away yeah Very definitely it's also kind of like that thing of it's putting you in the POV of somebody that you kind of view as vulnerable. So it's trying to make you feel vulnerable in that part of the movie to try to scare you as well. Which I'll say the little short scene we got of him in the bathroom in the shower, you see like little hands on the railing. That was nope. that was probably one of that's probably one of the times in the movie where like I felt like the chill go down my spine. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> it was yeah. horrifying. Um I will say I did find it really interesting of how hard that the movie was trying to parallel the Warrens to the formerly father, uh, Kastner, the man that uh, has like the little room of occult items and books. Um, I felt like that they were really trying to parallel those two a bunch because, you know, he also had a room filled with just cursed objects. And the interesting thing was that uh, Lorraine Warren was scared to go in there, even though she has her very own back home. And, he even is trying to like convey this message to her, but like he said, be careful what you obsess over because our obsessions become what our, our children inherit our obsessions. And he's trying to like tell the lesson of how his daughter became the occultist because she was, she grew up with this stuff in the house and she became obsessed with it, but in a darker way. And that's kind of like, that's who the villain of the movie is. So I don't know. I just found that interesting that the movie was trying to go that way just because of, how much these movies kind of ignore Judy Warren, their, their daughter. She is, she had like one line in this movie and it was when Ed woke up in the hospital. She goes, Oh dad, like you're, you're good or whatever. And then we don't see her again for the rest of the movie. And so I just found that interesting that I don't know. I, I felt like they were really trying to parallel those two together. Yeah. And it's, I, I think also like right from the beginning, when you first meet, when you first meet the, 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 the ex priest, um, can never remember his name. Um, Kastner. There we go. And 
when they're in his little basement museum storeroom thing and they uh the question's asked oh is is anything in alphabetical order and he's like no well how'd you find anything well good luck um <laughs> it's just right off the bat you you get the com- comparisons between the two where it's like okay this is chaotic whereas they're like more organized more like in it for good and it's it's also what yeah. you're used to, isn't it? Like with with Lorraine Warren, she, it's the thing she's familiar with. It's the thing she's worked on. So she's going into a room full of the unfamiliar and things that are already sort of terrifying. Because she often gets very... She, she's a, an interesting character because she walks steadfast into situations. But at the same time, she often gets either, you know, fainting or she sort of gets very, very vulnerable and emotionally connected to things. But even though she's a very mm-hmm. strong character, a very strong woman in these films, she's also very emotionally vulnerable. So in this, she's walking into a room of things she's never experienced. I suppose it's her most emotionally vulnerable. It's something she can sense straight away that she doesn't want to doesn't want to have to deal with. And Judy Warren, I actually didn't realise was Judy. <laughs> I just have to say, when she popped up in the hospital, I was like, is that the fiancé of Arnie? Is that Arnie's fiancé, oh. David's sister? I was like, is that her? She's another like pretty brunette. I was like, oh, oh no, she's not. She's the daughter, right? Okay. That's how much I didn't register till further in. Oh, that's yeah, because again, like we don't get to see her grow up because I think that, okay, she's in like one or two scenes in, in The Conjuring 2, but still, mm. like we just, this just kind of shows like how much, Again, I guess like kind of like the span of decades that the Warrens were active, right? So now we're in the 80s in this movie. I know Judy is, I guess, a teenager in this. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I don't know. I just find it so interesting that the movies kind of just really ignore her in this, uh, in these. I don't know. Uh, I wonder whether it's something she actually actively asked for. Like, you know, she knew that she'd be happy for her parents to be depicted in the, the conjuring, but maybe she actually didn't want to be. You know, maybe she wanted oh, to stay around. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering whether that was anything to do with it, or whether it's just they want to focus on the marriage more. But yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know if she's a producer or anything. I'm not sure how involved she is. Yeah, I don't know. I know that Lorraine was before she passed in 2019, but yeah, I don't know. That that'll be something for me to Google after this. <laughs> Same. I sp- assume <laughs> what, that what is Judy was... Warren up to these days? <laughs> Where is she? I know her husband used to run the occult museum before it closed. It closed in like 2019. I'm not sure why, but her husband used to oh. run it. But yeah, you can't go there now because Jess and I were talking about this recently. Like we wanted to go at some point. We can't go. It's closed. It's not fair. How could they close it? What are we supposed to do now? Where are we supposed <laughs> to go for occult stuff? Think of the children. Think yeah, the... that's a. Where could we take Nate? <laughs> Where can we take your son on a trip? We can't take him <laughs> to the adult museum. Damn it. We will have to take him to a haunted, ab- abandoned amusement park then. That's, oh, that's all there is. That's next on the list. He'll love that. Brilliant. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Brilliant. I did like the you know, how these movies do kind of focus on Ed and Lorraine. Those are the, the characters that we're following throughout each movie. Because I do I do really like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga's, I don't know, performances in these movies. They're I feel like they're, like, kind of perfectly cast, especially Vera Farmiga. I don't know. I could just... I, don't know, it, I saw a really funny letterbox review as somebody said, like, Vera Farmiga says a word, and then, like, your review is just, oh, brilliant, the best, this is just great, five stars. Like, just... I just feel like Vera Farmiga was perfectly pa- uh, cast in this franchise and i do like how we are getting some more 
we kind of got like a little bit more of her i guess like uh sensitivity or like her, her like power i guess i'll say of how she's like sensitive to to like certain objects and like spiritualism and everything and this kind of did a different twist on that sort of where we kind of see her reenact a lot of the the violence that she's kind of perceiving especially like in in the woods uh with, with the officer and she kind of mimics the stabbing of that, that happened there and everything and i felt like we haven't gotten to maybe we've got like a little bit of that in the second movie but we haven't got like a whole bunch of that it's normally just like we kind of just see her pov in her head of like what she's witnessing but not actually doing and so this was again i feel like kind of like a different directorial thing to do it did kind of come off as cheesy at some points when we kind of just see her with patrick wilson's pov and it looks like she's just doing trying so hard to like win a game of charades but like uh <laughs> I, I don't know it was i don't know so some of that kind of like stuck out to me it's like okay this this could have been done maybe a little bit better uh, but it was was quite interesting at the same time where it kind of brings that whole elements um another elements of of the warren's lives where uh, Lorraine actually consulted a lot with various police departments across the states. Mm. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, she was also that um, because of her involvement in a lot of cases, they actually had to like do a whole playbook or they helped with the playbook or something, um, which I uh-huh. thought was quite interesting. So it's, it's also nice to see that. Yeah, I honestly don't know too much about the real-life Warrens. I haven't done my own homework, I, I can admit to that. But at least the fictional Warrens, I really like. <laughs> <laughs> you probably yeah. wouldn't like yeah, the real-life I have real no idea how they were like in real life. Yeah, you probably No, I don't think you'd like, like them much. Lots no. of dubious. <laughs> this is the, I think this is what makes them so good. Jess and I have talked about it before. The actors is that, and what they've done with the films is that in reality, and of course this is all alleged, so we're going to say allegedly, but if you read articles, there's a brilliant one in the Hollywood Reporter that came out a couple of years ago about who were the real Warrens. And that effectively, mm. you know, this brilliant, strong marriage of real love and, you know, unity between these two was very much more of a business relationship that effectively um, Ed Warren was involved from his mid to late 30s with a 15 year old girl. And they were involved oh, with each other for 40, yeah, for 40 years. And she even lived in the Warren's house. And Lorraine used to just ignore what was going on. That's all alleged, obviously, but there is this Hollywood Reporter article. And then stuff about, um, about Ed and Lorraine obviously being charlatans and that they stormed into the Enfield haunting. Um, there was the guy, mm. Morris Gross and Guy, I think his name was Guy Playfair, I think his name was, who were actually leading the Enfield haunting in London and um, and leading the investigation. And Ed Warren pretty much turned up and was like, yeah, I can make a lot of money out of this. So I want to get involved. We could write a book together. We could do all this. And he was around for like a day and then left. But yet there's a conjuring film about it, about their full involvement. Uh, and none of it, none of it's true. None of uh, it's true. That's so, uh... It's just, it's, it's, a, but thing is, I think as long as you're, for me, it doesn't actually bother me. I mean, I read these things about the two in reality and I go, oh my God, probably not two people I'd want to sit down and have dinner with, but I love what they've created in the Conjuring universe because that's what you'd want to watch. Nobody would want to watch the real Ed and Lorraine from the sounds of mm-hmm. it, from what's alleged. You want to watch Vera Farmega and you want to watch Patrick Wilson and this true love story because it's like love conquers all, you know, good against evil. The true story of the Warrens yeah. probably doesn't really convey the same. If, you know, you've got Ed Warren with a 15-year-old and when he's in his 30s, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. So. No, I, I saw a, a clip earlier on, um, so I was watching some behind the scenes and some like interviews with uh, Ed and Lorraine. 
and there was one uh, something that Lorraine said that she was describing how they met and it's it, it, it is that the way they went she went with friends to go watch a movie and then um the she met Ed and they they went for um soda afterwards or something and she said that he offered to buy everyone a Coke and she doesn't drink Coca-Cola. She, she says it's nasty stuff. So she ordered a, a soda pop. And Ed's comment was um, she was a gold digger from the start. Yikes. Not really. Very much like the Warrens we see in the country. Yeah, just give me Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, yeah. please. Yeah, just. Oh, I mean, they gosh. are the attraction then, of the film, really. They are the big right. attraction. Right. And then the I guess I kind of like gets into like a discussion of you know how ethical is that that these movies kind of glorify them without really detailing how they actually were but i don't know i feel like if if you ever watch a horror movie and it says based on a true story you kind of should probably try to do your own homework because i mean like even like texas chainsaw massacre says based on a true story like at the beginning (laughs) of it so you know you kind of gotta it's kind of you gotta do your own homework too sometimes but uh yeah yeah, i think uh, yeah people will be very it's a bit like watching the crown on netflix and thinking that is exactly the way the royal family lived i mean watching ed and lorraine yeah, if you believed the Conjuring films, you'd be greatly disappointed if you read that Hollywood Report article. So probably best, never the two should meet, you know, just keep the two apart. Keep your Conjuring yeah. apart from the reality because they're, they're very different. But um, I think it could educate people in the wrong way because, yeah, we are glorifying them. But, but effectively in the film, they're fictional characters because the stories are fictional accounts of mm-hmm. of things that happen. So it, I think you're allowed to have poetic license and play around with the characters a bit as well or a yeah. lot in this respect yeah and i haven't done my research for this movie yet but for the first conjuring movie i did see that because the movie really seems like everything ramps up like the first week that the family moved in there i read that the the alleged events of the hauntings in that house apparently took over uh took over the time span of 17 years to hold the family lived there and uh so it wasn't just like they moved in and within two weeks or a month they were out uh and also the the person that they kind of blame all this on Bathsheba she was like a witch tried but but uh she wasn't found guilty actually and she died of natural causes like late into her life and she wasn't this person that's committed suicide and sacrificed her soul to the devil or whatever so you know these movies they pick they pick things like oh yeah this was a real person who was tried but we're changing the course of events of how that trial went and what she did um but yeah so yeah i haven't done my homework yet for the glatzels but uh i was kind of surprised to see at the end of the movie that like he only served five years for manslaughter yeah and that to me went okay you tell me that the demonic thing maybe worked a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could because, actually use that as defense. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyone who wants to commit but, a murder could be like, hello, I've been possessed. The devil made me do it. It was actually, it was something that they, they tried, but it was thrown out. Hmm. Um, the judge heard it and was like, ah, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> do you no know thanks. anything about the case? Cause I don't know anything about this. Um, I, read a little bit uh on it yesterday and it's 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 fucking nuts so um arnie johnson was at at um the at all the exorcisms of of little david because apparently there were like seven and Mm. um he did challenge the the devils because apparently there were like 42 or something demons that this little boy was possessed with according to the warrens 
Um, like, that's that's, that's like the operative term. According to the Warrens, there were 43. <laughs> <laughs> Always according to the Warrens. Um, and uh, yeah, so apparently he was he was possessed. He did uh, stab the his uh, Debbie's um, landlord, and uh, apparently the sister and the cousin or something was there, and they did try and use the. Um, so like how how it happens where he walks down the road after murdering apparently that like that happened but everything else is there's a lot of liberties taken um because i mean it is the conjuring so they like the tried the the father stuff the... real. I don't yeah. the no real. no that um ed warren uh, uh, thought that david latzel's mom and sister were involved in the occult and somehow or at least um dabbled in witchcraft and he thinks that's how that's how he was oh my (laughs) yeah no it is it's um it's an odd one because of course they had to 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 bulk out the film because there's probably not that much to go on when you look at the arnie johnson case you have to pad it out and you have to somehow get ed and lorraine into the central plot so all of that father father caster stuff and his daughter's all completely fictional and and things like that you know those those uh, aspects are fictional but the i think the i don't main know why i wanted is, that to be real but i did for some reason so did I. <laughs> but apparently the rams whatever it's called is it the gathering of the rams or something jess or remember whatever it's something of the rams which he rams stuff but that's not real they, they didn't exist of course the cult and and those sort of figurines created by occultists exist but not that specific sect didn't exist so did did arnie so you said that arnie did stab the the landlord but did he stab him to death did the landlord die yeah okay oh i guess that hints manslaughter yeah okay and and he he did uh he did initially say that no the devil made him do it and the case is actually called the devil made me do it case versus the people oh is that it that's the (laughs) the name of the case is it oh my goodness i didn't know that it's it's nuts it's nuts um and the judge wouldn't allow Ed and Lorraine to actually, uh, they, they wouldn't allow the demon possession um, as a defense. Ed and Lorraine couldn't testify. Um, and I was watching a whole clip where Ed was very upset that he wasn't allowed to testify because, you know, according to him, it was like, how could anyone not see that this was a possession case? <laughs> Which I find completely bonkers. Bonkers. Oh my God. But in Ed's world, like everything he says, when you read stuff about him, it's like, well, everything I say is right. So, of course, if I'm telling you this kid's possessed, then he's possessed. You know, it's just that's how he operated from the sound of it. So, yeah, he could try and make anyone believe anything. I also want to point out that Vera Farmiga, like the way that they dress her up and everything, she does look very similar to the pictures of the real Lorraine uh, Warren. But Patrick Wilson looks <laughs> so much better than the real Ed Warren. Yeah. I was so disappointed when I saw a picture of Ed Warren. I remember seeing The Conjuring. Then I was like, oh, I don't know much about the Warrens. And looking them up, I was like, oh, okay. They definitely took poetic license when they were casting Patrick Wilson. I bet bet Ed Warren would have been over the moon to see Patrick Wilson playing him. My goodness. Not not that we should be about aesthetics, but, you know, not very similar. Oh, yes, yes, of course. But I just kind of find that funny. Like, oh, yeah, you're fine. You were going to need to, like, get creative. (laughs) 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 <laughs> bless ed well actually don't bless ed he was hanging around with 15 year olds when he was in his 30s don't say anything nice yeah, about him yeah. but yeah no creepy but i think i think you couldn't have you could, unfortunately ed warren the things you read about him kind of translate into how he appeared 
you kind of look and go, mm-hmm. oh, creeper. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to want to believe in a man who looked like the real Ed Warren in a film. You're going to need him to be a trustworthy, very fatherly looking, very, you know, dependable husband type like Patrick Wilson. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. I guess... Uh, there, I was going to say something kind of mean. I was like, well, they still worked in the heart condition in this movie. <laughs> but <yeah>, they, still... <laughs> they got some truth in. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I want to talk about the uh, the the sorry. I want to talk about the the climax chase scene in this movie. So this movie kind of uh, comes to a point where we go back to formerly Father Kastner's house, and uh, Vera Farmiga is being chased by his occultist daughter throughout these uh, confusing tunnels beneath his house. Because the the altar that they needed the whole time was just beneath his house, and he kind of sort of turned a blind eye to all of this. And so there's a chasing with her. Uh, Ed Warren shows up to try to save the day, but I laughed so hard when the occultist. Uh, by the way, that's like her name on IMDb. There's no like name given to her. She's just the occultist. Uh, she like shows up to him and literally just throws pocket sand in his face. And I died laughing because a previous episode we were talking about pocket sand as like a deterrent from monsters in movies. <laughs> and now he's like confused and like just swinging this this mallet all over the place. All of this was, was was I don't know. It was all cool and interesting, but I don't know. It was just so. I don't know. I feel like it was still missing some sort of oomph in this ch- in this chase scene. I don't know. How did y'all like the the underground tunnel chase scene in this climax? Um, it was a bit disorientating, but not in any way that I felt added to to the plot and to the story. Um, mm. It's like I I don't know. It's just it didn't. It 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 was very lackluster. Mm-hmm. Bit yeah. schmaltzy yeah. as well. I think mm. the focus of the movie, which I understand because you, Ed and Lorraine are such an essential couple. The focus was during the chase scene of you know Lorraine reminding Ed of how much he really loved her when he's all possessed and you know going crazy and trying to like shove an axe or mallet in her head. I can't remember what it was, but it, it was the sort of you know the, the the very typical Hollywood formula of relate back to their love and you know the truth and that's how she'll break through to him. And that, true love conquers all. Yep. Always, always good defeats evil. Love defeats evil. And that, you know, I didn't mind it because, I mean, I love Ed and Lorraine and I pretty much, I would watch The Conjuring 57 if they're still in it. You know, I would keep watching it no matter <laughs> how many stories they'll exhaust. Be because, careful, yeah. Well, no, I would, I think, even if it was like <laughs> just, you know, an absolute well, bog standard awful one. But the, the love story is very believable between the two of them. And mm. that it's a good hook. That's a really interesting point that uh, it's their love is about their love specifically conquering evil. And it's not what we kind of normally get, at least like in the first two movies about how Catholicism is so such like a heavy thing in this and how like, you know, I in the name of, you know, name of God, where I cast you out to to the depths of hell. It's not about that. It's just about their love as a couple. It, it kind of seems it kind of almost seems a little bit outside of religion at that point, which is interesting for these movies that I feel like deal so much heavily in in catholicism it's kind of like an interesting solution or, or i'm sorry a, a, a difference in solution to this as opposed to sitting down praying doing our exorcism with our rosaries it's uh, hey remember we, we went on a date 30 years <laughs> in ago a bandstand. in a soda <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it was. It was. It was love. It's what. It's what. I mean, I find is a big hook for the movies. So I, I enjoyed that aspect. There is always a part of me that kind of quite likes the dramatics of a very Catholic <laughs> exorcism, but, but it's. I don't think there's any other way they could have done that. I don't think if they're going mm-hmm. to have Ed chasing Lorraine, the only way she can defeat what's possessed him is through her telling, reminding him that he loves her. So I'm going to ask you one more question before we kind of get to the last segment of today's show. But what which scene did y'all find the scariest or what part of this movie did y'all find the scariest? Hmm. That's interesting. I guess I'll say that this I'm, I'm kind of going to get like two answers here, I guess. I definitely thought that the occult part of this, like them just finding the like the little like talisman thing. That they found, I don't know, that like was really scary to me that there is now this embodied person going around with real motives to like curse these people. And like, I don't know, just seeing that totem, it is pretty like jarring and it is trying to make you think of devil worship. I can't say that word. (laughs) Devil loving and uh, (laughs) wanting to uh kind of you kind of get it to like oh like oh that's so sick and messed up but like i don't know it kind of worked on me it's like yeah, this is feel kind of twisted and darker mm-hmm. um but a scene that like really 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 stuck out to me that was just scary i don't know i'm also kind of struggling with something that like really got me besides like i don't know like that opening shower scene with julian hillard kind of got mm-hmm. me pretty good with um, the, the fingers yeah yeah the fingers got me but um I don't know. I'm going to watch it again tonight and I'll maybe I'll have a better idea. But yeah, like the when they break into the to, to the funeral home, which, by the way, how have we not talked about how they did that yet? Um, <laughs> Just that, smashed a window and walked in. Yeah, I thought that that would scare me a bunch, but I don't know. It just didn't. It just felt kind of cheesy with like the the corpse running at Ed. I don't know. But yeah, I was kind of struggling to find what was a specific scene that really scared me. I think for me it was the opening just simply because I was anticipating so much you know Mm. when it started we kind of pretty much started the movie like I said with no trailers so you're straight into it and so there was a real beautiful tension there that was built in and that parody effectively of the exorcist when the priest walks up to the very smoky house and you know it's Mm. it's very very Mm. atmospheric and the little boy was so good and it was so well done you know with Ed having his heart attack and all of that I think that they were the most tense moments for me. And I didn't really have anything after that that was as tense. I, I agree with you about the totem. When um, Lorraine's crawling underground underneath the house and stumbles across it, that did actually make me go, ooh, because I don't, I always get a bit funny about things that are real occult mm-hmm. items or real occult beliefs because, you know, they are effectively, even if you don't believe in the, the, this the religion behind it all the spirituality it's quite spooky that people do actually practice this and that is real unlike you know vampires and werewolves and things like that so yeah that did unnerve me a lot as well yeah i think i think that opening um is definitely the the most jarring um because it's not it's not like the other openings um in in terms of like you're straight in the action you're right there there's an exorcism going on um the fact that uh, that little that little boy's body contorts into all those different mm. possessions, like a fucking pretzel, um, <laughs> it's very very unnerving and very unsettling. Um, and yeah, the the finding the totem thing didn't freak me out as much. Um, <laughs> to be honest, the rats actually freaked me out more than anything else. And the rats crawling <laughs> across the kitchen into the wall, 
Oh, no. I was like, no, it's a rat. Get it out. When it came out of the cereal box, the cereal box. No, that grossed me out. Mm -mm. That put me them. Gross. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, actually. That was horrifying. That was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then he goes to the wall. You're like, why have you gone to the wall? Are you crazy? Don't go to where the rat crawled into. Run away from it. (laughs) Yeah. And he puts his eye right there. You're just asking for Pardon it. me, it was like, where's the torch? Get a torch. Like <laughs> This this was a good jump scare for me though, because when he turns around, we do see disembodied occultists standing right behind him. Which I had the hardest time telling if it was a man or a woman for most of the movie. Um, because they kind of get such quick snippets of it. And I will say I did like the addition of this occultist being able to teleport, I guess like her spirit or whatever, to different parts. Of, of of the map of this movie i guess in particular i guess this was a scene i forgot about was when arnie was on the tree trying to uh use his chainsaw and it wouldn't work yes. and you see just oh. behind him is the occultist like moving the curtains of a window i was like I, I was like okay this is i like this this is super creepy and i love it astral projection yeah. is that what it's called astral projection that, that's it yes that's yeah, it. Which is, yes, yeah that's, that's it. really oh that was on unner- that actually was unnerving when he turns around after the rats crawled into the wall and then she's there that that actually is a very good jump scare you're right as we start to get to our closing thoughts i will kind of ask us three to, how would you rank these this trilogy of movies uh, which one would you have at one two and three e do you want to go first <laughs> um for me still the conjuring one is number one. I think it's probably where I fell in love with the Warrens. And even though it's a very, very Hollywood take on horror, you know, it is, it's more accessible than a lot of horror that I like. I love it. And I love their characters. Um, Again, Conjuring 2 is my number two. And Conjuring 3 is actually number three for me. It's still higher up than Annabelle. It's higher up than oh, The Nun. Okay. It's higher up than the rest of the Conjuring universe. It's still one, it goes for me, the Conjuring completely one, two, three. I'm not as keen on the other parts of the universe personally. Um, but yeah, it's, and I think it's because mm. it's Ed and Lorraine, it's up there, but it's, it's the, I hate using the word weaker because I still liked a lot about it, but it isn't the, it isn't my favorite. It isn't my, it's not going to make top of my list. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to copy Eliza. Um, mm-hmm. Also one, two and three. Uh, one, because I always love the original over, over all the sequels. Um, two again i know it's a, 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 a bit of a, a haunted house thing but the, the poltergeist of enfield was probably one of the first haunting stories i heard as a kid so mm. i loved it from that aspect and then three it's still good but not as good as number one and two yeah yeah i i have i completely agree with you too that's how i would rank it as well and it's not that like this one i think is so bad that's why it's at the bottom of the list it's just it's like i don't know it has good ideas i think it's just yeah. it does it doesn't have that james wan just like i'm gonna flex here real hard and do a really awesome tracking shot that does not belong in a ghost movie but you're gonna get it because i'm a good director kind of feel um yeah there was no shots in this i went wow fucking like damn i'm watching like a cinematic experience here there's nothing i didn't have that sort of like oh yeah moment in this but i did like the the change of pace a little bit it was a little bit refreshing mm-hmm. um i i do see myself revisiting this movie maybe once every two or three years possibly but i'm going to be watching it again tonight because my girlfriend hasn't seen it yet she wants to watch it so i'll see how i feel about it after a, a second viewing but uh 
yeah, I, I agree with how you two ranked the trilogy. I think it I think it deserves a, a close up second viewing, you know, quite soon after. So I saw it two weeks ago, nearly. I will I will watch it again very soon, I think, just to to mm. kind of reaffirm how I feel. But again, I liked it. And if I probably wasn't comparing it to the first two films, I probably would have come away from it going, Oh my god, five stars, I love it. Because I love the, I love the characters <laughs> and, and it's a different I mean, I love the fact it's satanic panic. I love the fact that there's a bit of a cult and it makes it different. It's that is something I do like about it because it's it's not the typical possession. Well, it's not sorry. It's not the typical house, you know, haunting kind of mm-hmm. vibe. But but again, I just do prefer the other two. I can't help it. Right? Mm. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Well, thank you, Eliza and Jess of the Witchery Podcast, for joining me today to discuss and give our rapid reactions to the Conjuring: The Devil Made Me Do It, available in theaters and HBO Max. Uh, thank you too so much for coming on. Where can people find the Witchery Podcast? Anywhere you get your podcast. <laughs> podcast. Wow. How did I switch to an American accent? <laughs> My brain is completely fried. <laughs> there we go. Anywhere you get them. Also, www.witcherypodcast.com. And we're on Instagram at the Witchery Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will put a link in the show notes so people can swipe over and start listening to your show. I started with your Twilight Zone episode. That was That was a good one go listen to the witchery podcast thank you so much for listening to this you can follow me on twitter and instagram at brucker horror be sure to check out my buy me a coffee page where i have some fun rewards some fun free reads and some exclusive uh movie commentary tracks and i want to give a shout out to my one person my skeleton crew shelly thank you shelly so much for the support and i will see you guys next week with the invisible man from 1933 goodbye